Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Oh, look at us. It's just great to have you along. They've just gone at 6 o'clock, of course. Uh, great to have you company on summer breakfast this 12th day of December. The McCafe menu, we're going to go far and wide today. We've got Trav Bell, the bucket list guy, is going to join us as well. Ticket before you kick it is Trav Bell's slogan as well. So all around, as we get to the end of the year and goal setting and resetting and, you know, um, making commitments to how we're going to go about things. We thought we'd set you up with uh, one of Australia's best motivational speakers. So the bucket list guy is going to join us later. Dr. Peter Larkins, uh, the concussion issue back in the headlines yesterday with the inquest into the death of Shane Tuck. We'll go deep with Peter Larkins later. Clay Smith, Bulldogs premiership hero turned boxer, will join us. Won his first professional fight at the weekend. Timmy Detman, if you've got an ailment, he'll join us from Keyser. Questions without notice as well. And I'm joined, as always, at the hip. By my old mate, the Aussie sporting legend, Simon O'Donnell. Yeah, morning, Sam. Good to be here. It's Tuesday. Um, uh, I'm a bit flummoxed. By? Is that the word? Flummoxed? Um, puzzled? Puzzled. Puzzled That's a good by. word. I by like what? that. Puzzle's a better word. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, but you oh. look puzzled. Yeah, no, no. Puzzle was a good way you of think something's out. not quite right with you. No. I, I got a real surprise yesterday when Daisy Pierce agreed to coach the West Coast. Yeah, what about that? That's a that's a big uproot. Uh, well, yeah, it's a move across the country with a pretty young family. I would have um, thought every Melbourne club, when the coaching spot became available, she would probably be the first call. Well, I think a lot of them already tried and failed to to get her. I got a, it, it's sort of oh, I got a real surprise. I think Essendon. Look, I think Essendon is. had a big that's crack. A big change. Um, obviously, the Dogs and Hawthorne and Collingwood, are, um, you know, are in the in the mix. The new coaches, um, but no, she's staying. She's Didn't going. Surprise you? Not, not, um, well, it's not unheard of, is it, in the industry for players or coaches to move across the country and take up other jobs? It happens all the time, doesn't it? I suppose with her broadcasting as well, maybe that's. But she's made it pretty clear that football's her future. Mm. So if you're going to chase it, and as she said yesterday, a big, well-resourced club. But gee, there's some. <laughs> Work to do over there. I don't think they've won more than two games in a season. I watched um, a couple of their games this year. And yeah. They were a bit below par, but but her profile, or you would think at the trade table, they'll, you know, young, 
AFLW players that'd like to come over and play under Daisy Pierce. I honestly think she'll be great, to be honest. Yeah, I think she will. I think she'll make it work. Hopefully we'll get her on uh, this show uh, by the end of the week and we can ask her all those Mm. questions um, as well because, uh, yep, young fan. We'll delve deep into what what made this decision come about. Yeah, she's obviously excited excited by the project and the approach and the conditions and the lifestyle. well, no, I don't think so, but I think she's from, she's from Bright. I don't think there's much surf up there, northeast oh. of Victoria, but um, she might be about to learn. Yeah. Hey, um, what did you get up to yesterday? I didn't do much yesterday. I didn't do much. I went to the gym. Did it rain I all day yesterday? ride session, you know, one of your ride sessions. Indoor? Only for 40 minutes, yeah. Was there just drip, mizzle all day yeah, yesterday? Yeah, it did. It was just a pesky, pesky day all day. Funny. I'm so um, sick I did the bike yesterday, gym today, so it's weights today. It's today. It's just peeling off me. I can tell. How much yeah. have you lost? Came home and had about six cutlets. And... <laughs> Do you reckon there you're dieting? Oh, if I could stop eating. <laughs> reckon... I love food. And you I reckon there's any risk you could be jogging on the spot? I haven't seen veggies in that. I mean, that's it's all good. It's good for you, but the red meat. I've just got to stop eating. Are you eating? Oh, I don't want pizza for brekkie. Is it more the volume of food or what the food is? No, no, it's volume. You're just eating too much. Yeah. And and it's good. Bob. So you need portion control. Yeah, I do need portion control. You know, I'm not a big snacker on chips or anything Actually, like that. I thought of you last night. I'll, I'll get to the reason why I was there in a moment. But we were, I was out for dinner with my two boys, and uh, the junior cricket club had a bit of a breakup session, mm. last training session of the year, last game this Friday. We went out and uh, had a look at the menu here at the local, and um, I I ordered. A meal that I had not seen for a long time. My mum used to cook it. It's a bit of an old school classic. I was, uh, uh, it's sort of in the same mould as a, anyway, it was a chicken Kiev, which I'm not even sure you're allowed to call them chicken Kiev anymore. I was actually reading about this. A lot of supermarkets, because it's Russian, yeah, it's the Russian derived name. I think it might be now chicken Kiev, if I'm pronouncing it right, (laughs) in various supermarket chains here and in the UK and in the States. It's not Kiev anymore. But on this menu it was. So I'm not for starters, I'm not sure if it's politically correct to call it chicken Kiev, but I ordered it. It was an absolute banger. Chicken Kiev. When I don't reckon you... I've seen that since like my mum might have done it like in the eighties, like um sort of like beef Wellington, Volavants, remember yeah. those? The old Volavant. Oh, I despise the Volavant. When did the garlic start oozing out yeah. as you cut into the chicken Kiev first first cut? Well yes. And do you start at the pointy end or the very very juicy. I started at the pointy end. Yeah. Is that what you do? I think, yeah, you build in and then you whoosh. Mate, it was great. On a bed of mash, some broccolini. Oh, it was good. And it was an intimidating dish too. Like it was quite big and it had, it had a lot of sauce over the top, which I don't remember the KF coming with, but uh, magnificent. But it got me thinking about those meals that aren't really like a meatloaf you never see anymore. I reckon that was on the menu as well. Yeah, yeah, steak right. Diane. Oh, Steak Diane. Did you ever have Steak Diane? With the Worcester and yeah, bacon basic, sauce. Basic, just a pan for... It wasn't a great cut of meat from memory, for, no. typically for the steak, Diane. Steak like a blade. Was it even a blade? It was just like... <laughs> yeah. Whatever's left, sizzler up. Do you still have people talk a lot about bangers and mash? You don't see that as much as you used to. Like but I had mash Bangers potato. and mash was a staple on a, on a pub menu. Yeah. But, you know, you... No. It, it's more on the... It's been replaced so by... Much side than the... There are a lot sites. It's been replaced by things like tofu salad and all these sorts of things now, oh, Scoo. I saw that on a pub classic the other day at a oh, pub I will not name. It had pub classics. So I thought, oh, beauty. Looking for palmers and pies and there was a tofu salad on. I'm sorry, but when has that ever been a classic? I had um, 
I told you the story about the Clifton Hill coach, didn't I? No. In a game of underage footy. I think it was under 12s. And our bo- we had some pretty big boys. And we had to wait for the under 14s to run out onto the ground. There was only one set of rooms. So both clubs were standing together having a chat. You know, some of the kids go to primary school together or whatever. And the coach of the Clifton Hill side, uh, you know, sort of was looking around saying, gee, you know, the size of our boys. He said... Not a great advertisement for tofu, is it? <laughs> <laughs> one. Which was one of the great statements at, a, at kids' sport. Not a great advertisement for tofu, is it? one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the oval on the 40 weeks tempers oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. You're welcome to get involved at any time throughout the day. And I actually thought of you as well yesterday because uh, we had a kids v adults match to finish. And I thought, God... What am I going to be like when I'm sort of your age and having to face my young fellas in the nets or whatever and step in there? Because my youngest is only eight <laughs> and he's come here yesterday <laughs> and the coach has done it very well. He's made sure the kids bowl to their dads and their yeah. dads bowl to their kids in this uh, little scratch match that we had. And he's come in, he's bowled this, uh, he's bowling his leggies as he does. And I've tried to hit him out of the bloody postcode and I've played and missed. Oh. And I reckon it's missed the off stump by a hair. Seriously, could have knocked me over, and a few a few parents got knocked over by their kids. The celebrations is awesome. Get the kid out of the park. Yeah, we all we all what did. About confidence and built. No, nah, no, nah, we all we all. It was actually Four defence and a nod of the head. Yeah, well bowled. Yeah, we're a very competitive parental set. It would appear because everyone was trying to hit him into the third tier. No, if I'd like living in seven. <laughs> it was good. It was a good night actually. Uh, kids are going really well with their sport. Hey, um, the BBL, the Sixers and the Hurricanes. Hurricanes had a bit of a shocker last mm-hmm. night, but did you see? So eight for one three for batting first. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Jewell, he was batting well, but Wade McDermott, Tim David, they were the they were the big uh, stars on campus there at the Hurricanes. They all went cheaply. McDermott to a ripping Philippi catch. Um, and Riley Meredith hurt as well. The old side strain. I'm forever curious as the side those strain. quickies get those, don't they? What's with the side strain? You ever have one of those? When you lurch yeah. back to painful. shot the pill. They look painful. Yeah, they, they, it's only in a, in a wee little spot, but gee, it hurts a lot. Yeah. Now, that's what people have told me. Fast bowlers get them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do you see that uh, Tom one myself. <laughs> Tom Curran, who I think is the sixest player there. You know they have at the Big Bash those um, those stands that pump the flames out? Every yeah. now and then there's a sixer. Yeah. Tom Curran was running, <laughs> and he went a little bit too close <laughs> to one of the things. And it's gone... <laughs> And he's jumped about 50 feet back. <laughs> Absolutely crapped his pants. And I don't blame him. I was taking his eyebrows off. Singed the old eyebrows. Interesting article in the Herald Sun this morning. Uh, the Pakistan management aren't happy with the pitch they got it. I saw in that. Canberra. Saw that. Yeah, they, they said it was the slowest wicket that yeah. they'll get. Yep. And a lot different to the one they think they'll get in Perth. It, and I, I can guarantee the team manager that, yeah, it will be very different in Perth. So would we have done very that deliberately? Different. We, the well, Royal We. It's always slow in Canberra. Monica. Always slow. But initially when he started speaking, I was like, is he having a go at the fact that the well, game got washed out? I'd but probably he was... go back a few decades and start thinking, we were lucky to get a pitch in Pakistan. <laughs> Hang on, yeah, when they just water it. And, oh, so I didn't realise you were training at 10am. Oh, yeah. You go, go out and there's a dam sitting on the practice week. <laughs> Different generation. Oh, no, that wasn't... <laughs> So it just didn't sit well with me. I thought, oh, okay, give us a spell, mate, will you? Mm. Please, give us a break. Some of the stuff that's dished up the good old days in Pakistan, um, they didn't even resemble a cricket pitch. 
Simon, bit of uh, fair bit of cabbage at West Coast. We're getting told off the Forty Wings temper text. Good if you're point. looking for yes, uh, Eagles wealthiest club in it, but it might just be time for a change I'm for people. To Young family, you, you start a new life, new lifestyle. Maybe they it's thought a big well, uproot, like kids, husband, Perth. boom, up, up they get, put the gear in the back of the truck, long drive, yeah. cross the Nullarbor. Perth would be a great place to raise young family, though, wouldn't it? Great beaches, relaxed lifestyle. Not my cup of tea, but it is for a lot of people. You've spent a bit of time there. It's a beautiful part of the country, isn't it? Very windy. Windy? Always windy. Well, it can't be windier than here. Oh, Perth? What is it? Um, I reckon Melbourne's got to be one of the windiest cities in the world, doesn't it? It drives you insane. You're joking. No. Windier than this? Oh, windy. Windy? What about, Shocking. I thought that was just pertaining to the Fremantle Doctor. And no, then we'll, well, it is well, but that's what I mean. It just, every day, the wind blows. just does. Old school meals. What about the ham steak and the pineapple that you used to get? Oh, the old ham, ham steak. Ham steak and the pineapple ring. Yeah, that, that little half inch oh, thick ham yuck. steak was. Yuck. Oh, you, you were never sure where that came from. Did you ever get the Volivon? Did you ever? No. As a kid or? No. Oh, no. they were horrific. Chicken Maryland. You don't see yeah. that Yeah. <laughs> Chicken Maryland. Oh, just with the mizzle yesterday, I lay down on the couch as soon as I got home for a couple of minutes, and then why, why do you call it mizzle? Because it's miserable. Yep, miserable drizzle. It's just a slow, steady, it's pretty smart from you, mizzle, like and it's depressing. And I nodded off, and I woke up, and I felt like I felt horrendous, like I always did. And then I had, uh, I just binged. I just binged Welcome to Wrexham. I reckon the last two-thirds of a single season, some 15 episodes just bang in one sitting. Oh, no. Felt like a sloth. But, gee, what a series. What a series. What a show. What a great concept. And now the shame of it is I've got to wait for season three. Love it. Love that show. Mm. Now I need something else, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're working with me today with the garlic breath, as, as um, a lot of people are talking out here after Chicken Kiev as well. So thoughts with you, Scoob. Uh, the 40 Winks Tempers, 0433981116. Oh, just before we break, uh, good on the NRL too for having a big crack at Vegas. They're trying to get into the US market, which we know they're playing in March. They're opening up their season with a pair of games over there at the Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. But they're over there at the moment, Scoob, on a big marketing blitz. You know, spread the word, spread yeah. the gospel. They've taken the props over, the balls over, all the rest of it. Now, uh, at halftime of the uh, Raiders-Minnesota um, game in Vegas yesterday, the host broadcaster over there, Fox Sports, played along and they had a bit of cross-promotion. The only problem with the cross-promotion, though, Scoob, and for all the efforts that they made with little clips and interviews, was that they just couldn't quite get the name right. They kept calling it rugby, which, if you are a league fan, there's nothing more grating than calling their sport rugby. It's not rugby. It's yep. league. Or yeah. it's... Rugby league. Thank you, Coxie. Or mm. it's a rugby league, if you're going to use the full version. And I reckon get used to it, because the Americans won't be able to to make the distinction between union and league. They just won't. It just won't happen. It'll forever, and it has always forever been rugby over there. But, gee, they had a good crack at it over there. And I just wonder, listening to the uh, to the Raiders CEO say, oh, we're sure you'll fill the stadium when you come to town in March. I hope they do. <laughs> it's not going to be a great look if they don't. Surely it's a big stadium. It is a legend, isn't it? 65,000, I think. It's going to be a lot more popular over there than it is here. Yeah, well, that was, that's sort of what I was what I was thinking. Wow. But with these sort of things, you get the rental crowd in and the freebies and you top her up, don't you? Kids. Yeah. 
Kids, Kids go free. Mm. Um, a cafe menu I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Trav Bell, Dr. Peter Larkins, Clay Smith's going to join us, Bulldogs Premiership star. Timmy Detman. Mixed grill. Where's it gone? What? The mixed grill. Oh, the mixed grill. Piece of steak. Yes. Little piece of minute steak. The mid-loin lamb chop. Mixed grill on the, the plate. The sausage. The rissole. And a beautiful bit of bacon draped over it. I reckon the rissole. possibly a fried egg. And... Um, chippies, like, wow. If you've got a meal that you pine for that you love and you rarely see any more, let us know. Portion control. SCM Breakfast, powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, they've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. And SCM Breakfast is from Albert Airport Parking. Nothing beats their terminal parking in. You can book online, which is amazing. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Oh, geez, watching these old school meals trickle in over the 40 Wings temper, bringing a mix of uh, great nostalgia and absolute horror, some of them. <laughs> you couldn't consume them then, and you certainly couldn't consume them now. Sean's in Diamond Creek. He's joined us. How are you, Shawnee? Yeah, hello, you guys. Um, I reckon Scoop might uh, appreciate this one, but you don't see it at the pub anymore. It'll always be... The old seafood cocktail with the seafood sauce oh, and the, the prawn hooked over the top <laughs> and the caviar on top. Yes, Shorty. The seafood cocktail was an entree special. The old sauce. What was in the sauce anyway? Oh, dear me. Um, it was a cocktail. Well, they used to call cocktail it a cocktail sauce. sauce. Um, yeah, it was a pinky... Pinky coloured cocktails with a bit of Sean's dashes right, of red running through it. The so, glass, yeah, like a wine yeah. goblet almost yeah. with the prawns prawn over there. Oh, I remember yeah. that well. I remember mum and dad hooked on those. Interesting one here from now, you know, being a little um, self indulgent. I'm, I'm an old Assumption College boy. Ham steaks. Most of my ACK schoolmates will never eat them again. It's all we got served. That's from Pitsy. Pitsy from Noosa. <laughs> Pitsy, the good old days of going into the ref at Assumption. And they'd serve out. And the ham sacks had come out. And there was like 300 boarders. And there'd be these big silver trays. And they'd be like packed six high. All like, oh, it was horrendous. And you used to eat every single bit of it. Yeah, right. The veal snits. On, the veal snits is rare now. Oh, the veal scallopini. Very, you don't see that too often anymore. Uh, Tom and Bodonga saying you can't beat it when you can actually find it. And uh, crumb snags, gravy, mash, and veg. Like, Mum, seriously, how much am I going to eat today? Aaron in Riddles Creek. Mum used to make silver side, absolutely disgusting. Uh, apricot chicken, Curtin Liddell, chop suey coming through from Moza. Did you ever get on the chop suey? <laughs> and I tell you what, I could never do this, and uh, thankfully, um, my olds never did it. And uh, it's horrific when you realise what goes into it. But the old lamb's fry. Yeah, yeah, but mm. lamb's fried with bacon. I'll probably steer away from that. Scallop potatoes. You don't see them anymore. You I do them at home sometimes. Yeah, beautiful scallop oh, potatoes. Tony from South Yarra, thank you. What about the old corned beef? Done well. It's excellent. That was a mum's special at home. Corned beef. Corned beef cold in a sandwich the next day. Oh, with I never plenty did Plenty of tomato sauce and pepper. I never oh, did that. Merry Christmas. Thanks, corn. Uh, deviled sausages. I must admit, Simo sent this in. I've never heard of it. Sausages? I think it's like a version of a sausage casserole, which I'm a bit partial to, but I've never heard of deviled well, sausages. Well, curry sausages magnificent. Yeah. Magnificent a curry sausage. And, and yeah. it disguises the badness of the sausage. Oh, right. The curry sausage and with onion. Onion, oh, like if 
don't mind. Morning, boys, uh, says Jared. Occasionally I see Silverside on the menu and I always jump on it when I do. Hard to beat. Hmm. And Bobo, we get the best Kievs from our local butcher in Bentley. It's regular on our menu at home. Steak Diane is also something we bloody love. I'm 28, but call me old school. <laughs> and uh, the pub you're asking, we were just down at, um, for the Kiev, we were just down at the Yarraville Bowls Club there. Uh, scoop, just around the corner from... Uh, McIver Reserve in Yarraville, where uh, a lot of cricket and footy gets played um, of a weekend. So we just toddled off in there. And maybe this is where you find these old school classics at I, your I RSLs so. your old and RSL your bowls club, clubs. Correct. That, that's where you find your classics. They're not because big on the turning the menu over there. there. They're saying, no, no, don't change the menu. <laughs> they're not big on turning the menu over there. That's where you get your corned beefs. Yeah, you'll get a snitter with gravy <laughs> and mashed potato and peas and that sort of thing. Hey, they still add, if you really uh, like your, your nostalgic sort of offerings on the menu, they still add the old frog in a pond, a timeless classic. Oh, the frog, frog in a pond. Oh, dearie, dearie. Yeah, that was purchased. What about the ice cream and chocolate flavouring? Uh, that was actually, yes. You, you always get three choice of flavourings, didn't you? you got, or two. You got the chocolate, the strawberry, strawberry. sometimes the caramel, yeah. and nowadays the sprinkle. So there you go. Oh, oh, ice cream and chocolate flavouring. You're in trouble today. Your the, portions. <laughs> on the back of a big bit of rump. And <laughs> your your portion sizing. Midloin lamb chop. A shot. Snag, <laughs> a rissole, bacon draped over it. Oh. What a day it's going to be. Mum used to make trifle. There you go. Trifle's an old uh, an old dessert from way back as well, Scoop. Oh, all this food. We talk about food a lot at the best of times, but today's probably been a little Not bit too Not one much. person here liking tofu. Haven't so many tofu no. recommendations coming through, but each to their own. Could be quite tasty if, if done the right way, don't you think? All right, we better get to the headlines. The Melbourne Mavericks are here, by the way. You can get your Mavs membership head to Melbourne Mavericks. I, I couldn't think. Com. I couldn't imagine how disappointed I'd be if I was really looking forward to my dinner and someone served me a plate of tofu. Well, I think it's. I'd be go- just disappointed because I'm not that not a tofu eater. If you're a tofu eater, fine, but I'm just not. Yeah, okay, well that's all right. I'm not a tofu oh, we we realise that. I've got nothing against the tofu consumers. You know the way you roll. If you want to consume a tofu, that's fine. Mm. But couldn't put it like in front of me. That'd be it. Have you got a bucket list? of Things you want to do? Um, tick before you kick it. <laughs> Are you a goal setter? Are you one of those people? I'm not. I'm shocking at this. Well, I've probably stopped. Stopped? I was a goal setter when I was younger. Yeah, no, but just with not, not so much what you want to get out of your professional life, but things you just want to do as a... No, I want to get different things out of my professional life I mean, still. I'm still oh, young. Oh, yeah, I want to try different things. Like what? I want to know you, no, some I'm of the trying. items on your bucket list. You're on a fitness kick as well, so that's obviously yeah. something that's on there. Keen, Good on you. Get a bit fitter. Yeah. Keen to try some different professional things over time. I wouldn't mind knowing what they are, to no, be we, honest. I'm not going to tell you. We can harness your passions together. No. SEM Breakfast is from Melbourne Airport Park. It's a bit drizzly. You won't ride the bike. <laughs> Nothing. Don't have a crack at me. You don't get off the indoor bike. Nothing Sometimes beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking <laughs> book online. Nathan Gardner's got the headlines on the other side of that. We'll bring you these sport headlines, all thanks to Kent. Nathan, thank you. Doing a stellar job as always. Dead set uh, sorry? No. Uh, we're about to uh, bring you the sports update, and it'll be a great pleasure to do so. And we start with the big news. We discussed this yesterday. It was confirmed yesterday. Port Adelaide have announced Connor Rosie as their new captain at 23 years of age. In fact, the youngest captain in the Powers history takes over from Tom Jonas, so he inherits the number one as his club custom. And he's also signed an eight-year deal, keeping him in the club until 2032. That's a big day, isn't it? Yeah, Here's an eight-year deal. You are the captain. Here's a jersey uh, jumper number change. 
and uh, all at 23 years of age. His good mate, Zach Butters, will be the vice captain. Mm. So the future no. is locked for a long time. It is. The future's a bit locked at the West Coast AFLW team as well with Daisy Pierce becoming their new coach yesterday. Takes over from Michael Pryor, the previous AFLW coach over there. And that shook me a bit when I read it. I thought, gee, Daisy's going to Perth. Yeah, I, I didn't think that would be her mm-hmm. club of choice, but it is. And we wish her very well. Indeed. Toby Nankervis, uh, speaking of captaincy announcements, he'll be the sole captain at Richmond in, in 2024 and probably beyond. Adam Uze opting for the traditional leadership hierarchy rather than the co-captains. It was Dylan Grimes who stepped down from his position as co-captain yesterday. State coroner John Kane has recommended the AFL reduce contact training sessions to lower the risk of concussion following a inquest into the death of yeah. former Richmond midfielder Shane Tuck. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking to Doc Larkins. We'll get into uh, this a, bit, a little later on yeah. in, the, in the show. I look forward to that chat. I think we'll get into that a bit deeper at a 7 o'clock. Keen for your take on that because that um, recommendation, if you like, regarding contact uh, training was one of 21 recommendations that uh, the state coroner, John Kane put to the AFL. And they've now got 90 days, three months to respond formally to those recommendations do the AFL. So that's something we're going to get into in our second hour. The Sydney Sixers in the Big Bash, they beat the Hobart Hurricanes by six wickets last night. It was up in Lonnie, and it was uh, the Sixers' second win from uh, as many matches. Daniel Hughes was named player of the match, an unbeaten 60 from 50 balls. And uh, uh, Caleb Jewell aside, Hurricanes failed with about 135 or whatever it was. It was never going to be enough, Scooby. It never going to be enough. I tell you what, I didn't like reading the news this morning on our most decorated Olympian, Emma McKeon. She's withdrawn from this week's Queensland Championships to nurse a muscular tear under her arm. Uh, the meat and Brisbane is serving uh, as a return for fellow Olympic stars Kate Campbell and Ariana Titmus. But um, I don't like don't like those those injuries that are uh, us, you know the, the yep. use of the muscle so much for Emma McKeon as she builds up to Paris next year. Well, it was actually a bad day yesterday for our swimmers because the longest standing world record in swimming was the 800 meter freestyle world record. It was owned by Grant Hackett, of course. 15 years he's had it for. Finally snapped by Daniel Whiffen of Ireland. So he's the first Irish athlete to break a swimming world record and he broke uh, the toughest nut to crack Grant Hackett's 800 metres. Who was that? Who was what? Smith. Who was the female Irish swimmer that was... Oh, yeah. The, the, Had the long nails? Yeah. Yeah. Can't remember her name now. You've got me with a question yeah. without Sorry. notice. Was, was De, a question without no, notice. No, wasn't it? Aren't we thinking of the Dutch woman? De Bru- De... No, no. I reckon her name was Smith. Michelle? No. Not Michelle no, Smith? She was, she was a red-headed... Mm. Okay, well, we'll do Irish some lady. I'm going to look that we'll up uh, in the break. Alex Dimonor joined Australia's tennis royalty on Monday night, of course, becoming the just the third player behind Sam Stoss and Asparti to win at least two Newcomb medals. Alex, he's, nice. he's won the Newcomb medal last night. And they were on the blue carpet, not the red carpet, the blue carpet. The blue um, carpet? Yep. Bronny James, he's the 19-year-old son of NBA superstar LeBron James, made his college basketball debut, came off the bench. Now, this was less than five months after he suffered cardiac arrest during practice. He played 16 minutes, four points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block playing for USC. Imagine being the son of LeBron James and starting a basketball career. Easy. Easy, wouldn't it? You'd be be free to just navigate your own path, wouldn't you? Without any pressure or uh, mm. burden of expectation. That would just be brutal. Uh, off the text. At the banana split. 
banana split oh, desserts at the pub. Good the banana. Can't remember last time I the saw one. To be honest, banana, two skits of ice cream, one on each banana. Can't remember and last time I saw that. over it, and they whack on the honey. Um, <laughs> um. Mum made toad. <laughs> Mum made toad in the hole. Have you heard of toad in the hole? What? <laughs> Sausages. In the pond. Sausage meat in pancake batter. You heard that right. Toad in the hole. Uh, it says six double two. Sausage meat in pancake batter. I'm sorry, but it's hard need to get. You to know more about that. How you put that together? Granny Murrubark can't go past a good Scotch egg. It's been a minute since I had one, but they go down an absolute treat. A lot of apricot chicken nominations mm. coming through and rabbit stew back in the day. Wait, I hated oh. apricot chicken. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Michelle Smith was that girl's name from uh, I said Island. Michelle. And you said no. Got busted. Yeah, but you were on Got Michelle. Bu- you were on the Dutch woman. Got busted, didn't she? Yeah, I think that's when she said long fingernails. I thought that had something to do with <laughs> maybe what she was consuming and it made her fingernails long. You got an ailment for Timmy Detman to look at? He might be bringing his own problem and solution this morning unless you've got something for him that you need fixed. Oh, I've always got something. Okay, well, we'll have something for Timmy Detman. He's going to join us from Keyser on the other side of this. Love your company along the way as well. 40 Wings Temper. 0433981116. Before we really get into our McCafe menu, the lines are open to you. 1300 736 736. Any topic you like on Summer Brecky. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Not too far away from getting some answers, some solutions with Timmy Detman from Keezer because we've got a number of summer stars, I want to call them, Scooby, who are battling uh, injuries at the moment. Emma McKean, you mentioned, but Nick Kyrgios as well, Lisa Healy, or battling some complaints that Timmy can educate us on. Now, we we talk a lot of food on this show, and I, I'm not sure why that is. It's got to have something to do with you, though. What, <laughs> I guess. what about uh, Moza? Yeah. Moses. What about the spider? He's on fire. What happened to the spider? What about the Coke with the ice cream in it? Whoosh. Wash it all down with oh, a spider. I lied about that. They used to give you the big long spoon to stir it up. Yep. Get some more froth on the top. Oh, dear me. You're in trouble today. You are going to you are gonna do yourself a mischief. I'm having uh, a mixed grill tonight. I know that. A lot of uh, sports uh, men and women, though, uh, at the elite level have done themselves a mischief uh, lately. And Tim Detman from Keys has joined us and he's going to bring us up to speed. How are you, Timmy? Good, Sammy. How are you, mate? Great to have you on, mate. Really appreciate it. Scoob was just taught, bringing us the news uh, from Emma McKeon. The, the strained muscle under the armpit is a is a curious one, and one I would have thought wouldn't be ideal as uh, someone in Emma's line of work. Yeah, look, I reckon any injury in swimming, um, the recovery period from it is, is longer than what most people expect. Now, I don't know Emma McKeon, I'm not her physio, so I can't even tell you exactly which muscle in her armpit she's torn. There's a number that go through there. The challenge in swimming, especially for those elite swimmers, is that they have so much movement in their shoulders. So swimmers and baseball pitchers have the biggest amount of rotation in their shoulders and it just comes to them naturally. So there's an incredible amount of force Mm. that goes through those muscles all the time and they're right at the end of their range. So my best comparison probably is hamstring injuries in AFL. 
you know, when guys are trying to either kick long or they're trying to pick balls up off the ground, that's when the hamstring's most stretched and we know that it's under the most danger there. Same thing for swimmers. When they reach out in front into that catch position of swimming, all of the load is going through their rotator cuff, which does come through the armpit. So possibly it could be a rotator cuff injury. I think they would have said that, though. Yeah. Um, and there's a number number of other muscles that it could be as well. So she's going to be taking it easy for a little while. Yep. Uh, Coach Michael Bowles said it was a minor tear under her armpit. She's been managing that for a few weeks. And we had Brett Phillips, our tennis guru, Scoob, in um, on the line yesterday talking around Nick Kyrgios. And actually, he said, Tim, you know, he wouldn't be surprised if Nick actually didn't make it back at all Um from his latest ailment, and I guess at the top of the list there is the, the wrist injury. And, and speaking of injuries that you don't want to have in your chosen sport, that would be one of the more problematic ones, I'd reckon, for tennis. Yeah, exactly right. Probably really similar to what I just said about um, Emma and the load that goes through that. The the difficulty with the wrist is everything's so small. So you, you tear a ligament in your knee in, in football. It's a really big ligament. We know where it is. We immobilise it. We give it a little bit of a break. You know, and an MCL takes six weeks for it to come back. So you'd think, oh, well, if this is a ligament injury in Nick's wrist, well, we'll give him a six-week break and he'll be able to get back. But there's 27 bones in your hands. There's over 100 ligaments. They're tiny. They get pulled in all different directions. And because they're so small, it makes it harder for them to deal with. So he'd probably go through a period of immobilizing it a little bit and then trying to gently, gently rehab it back. But um, there's been a couple of tennis players who've had significant wrist injuries and haven't come back from it. So I, I don't want to jinx Nick Kyrgios. Hopefully his is, um, is smoother, but we won't be seeing him play for a fair while now. One of our um, listeners, Tim, is off for a rotator cuff surgery on Thursday. What sort of rehabs are you in for after rotator cuff surgery? Yeah, uh, rotator cuff surgery is one of the longer and slower ones. So if I have patients who are having rotator cuff surgery, I sit them down and we have a bit of a chat about patients. Uh, and because generally the rule is after rotator cuff surgery, you've probably got your first six weeks um, in a sling uh, pretty well immobilized wow. um, and then the tendon itself uh, will take minimum three months to heal so I think that's the first thing you've got to wrap your head around is just how slow and gentle you need to be with these with shoulders but the good thing is uh, it's a relatively successful surgery we get I've taken a lot of people through it and got them back to playing golf got them back to swimming or got them back to tennis um, so if you stick with your rehab, you can certainly get back to the sport that you love. No problems. Timmy, great to have you on, mate. Really appreciate it. Let's um, let's make sure we do it again next week. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Simon. There you go. Tim Detman from Keys there on the line, Scoob. The Swan Skipper, he was rotator cuff, wasn't yes, he? Yes, Callum Mills. Yeah. yeah, bad, bad one. Bad one, though. They come in various forms, and he's well, a, like season then for him if he, if he uh, go on could that, be. that sort of recovery. Uh, I think they're expecting half to three quarters of the season for him, given the timing that he did it, which was um, sort of not long after last season. That works a in his favour. Yep, Mad yeah, Monday, Monday gone wrong. Timmy is in Brighton. He wants to talk a bit of cricket with us. How are you, Tim? Yeah, good morning, Sam. Um, Simon, I just want to ask you about uh, if you know anything about this New South Welshman, Sam Costas. Um, 18 years of age, and he's been thrown into the ring by Kerry O'Keefe, and without any obvious replacement um, 
for Warner and, you know, uh, is Kerry just doing this to pump up New South Wales or is there real merit to this guy? Uh, look, uh, Tim, I, I, I won't pretend to know. I don't. I'll do some He's eighteen. Homework. He's only 18 years of age. and um, Scully's generally a pretty good judge and, and he still follows his grade cricket pretty well, Skull. So he'll see young blokes um, coming through and doesn't mind giving them a bit of a... A, a bit of a push-up, but I, I, Tim, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, Tim, and he did say, didn't he, Skull, that, oh, look, it's obviously too early at the moment, but I think he described him as one of the, or the best opening bat he'd seen for a few years now. I've been prolific at grade level up there in New South Wales and obviously just made his shield debut for the state as well. So very early going. Um, he's got a nice-looking mullet on him as well, though, Timmy, flowing locks out the back of the helmet as well. He, he does, and look, if he's anything, you mentioned about the uh, the great cricketers, he, if he follows in the footsteps of some of those other batters, and he's got Shane, I saw that he's got Shane Watson as a mentor, so look, he's, he's in the right, he's in good company, and uh, if he continues in this vein of form, then who, who knows? Yep, and there appear to be a few more established names ahead of him, of course, but for the future... Um... You know, what's going on with Will Pekowski as well? Do we have a line of sight on what's happening with him at he the moment? He got a 60 in the last yeah. Shield game. So, so he's, he's healthy in his four-day yep. career, as far as I know. There was an article I read um, before the last Shield game, I think they played in South Australia, that he was he was enjoying it and Chris Rogers seemed to be happy with him. And so, you know, that's all good. But, you know, he just, he just needs a, mm. a line of sight and play some cricket, you know, over a 12-month period, play some constant cricket to prove, I think, to himself and to everybody that that um, all's okay and onwards and upwards. Yeah, you, know, you said earlier that Perth was windier than Melbourne, which I found shocking because oh, I know how definitely. windy it is here. And you got a bit of support, although Dean says, guys, speaking of windy cities, I've recently moved to Torquay and it is the windiest place I've ever been. And toad in a hole is a piece of bread in a frying pan with a hole cut in the middle and you crack an egg in there. Thanks for the great show. So a bit of a camping, oh, okay. might be a bit of a camping special, that one. But people saying Yorkshire pudding. Anyway, Call a few different Tor- forms. Torquay City. It's a, it's a little hamlet. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Like, you got him on a technicality. Yeah, it's hard to come at me and say it's a windy city Torquay. It's dead set. It's, a, it's not Chicago, is it? The windy yeah, city? It's a caravan <laughs> park and a few shops. <laughs> Get involved on the 40 weeks temper text. And a busy set of shops as well. The all new Temper Pro, the most adaptive mattress ever, is here. Temper, mattress like no other. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Oh, Scoob, I never doubted you. I mean, you're always all over it anyway, but Damo's come in with officially Perth is one of the windiest cities in the world. But if Google is any guide, the common belief slash thought out there on uh, the World Wide Web is that Wellington, New Mm. Zealand is the windiest capital city on earth. Chicago's up there. Well, yes, you would I've never think been so. To Chicago, but... I have, and you would think so with the moniker that it does have. It's the windy mm. city, but uh, average wind speed in Wellington of twenty-five kilometres an hour. That's their average breeze down there. Uh, Gavin it gets windy down in Tassie too. Gavin Weymouth, uh, Perth is the twelfth windiest city in the world behind Wellington at number one. Chicago is not even in the top ten windiest in the USA. Believe it or not. Wow. Speaking of speed, you see what, Riley. What's, Mer- what's a what's a kilometre to a knot? Not sure the ratio of that, actually. Another good question with that notice. Thanks. It's two this morning I've come up with. It's flummoxed. I've been working here for 10 years. I haven't come up with any. I've come up with two in one day. Both have flummoxed me. Uh, Riley Meredith uh, whipped one down at 152 kilometres an hour last night. Whoosh. Went, at went down for a while. 
And now that might have been how he strained his old side. Mm. 152. And Skull, Kerry O'Keefe, he made some other comments yesterday as well. We might get to a bit later in the program around us. What did he say, Skull? He said we'd fallen out of love with cricket as a nation. And it saddened him. And all we do during the summer is wait for round one of whatever football code that we follow. Who cares about the trades and the transfers? He says, let's talk about some more cricket. Thoughts? Probably a good point. Yeah, okay. First test starts this Thursday. Of course it does. Australia and Pakistan. One knot equals 1.85 kilometres an hour. Scoob, there you go. Brooksy comes to your aid. Nathan Gardner's got the headlines. Back in a moment. Brooksy, one of the best producers in the business. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. The Good Oil for Cobram Estate. Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil. Grown, harvested and first cold pressed in Northern Victoria. Great to have you company as we tick past 7 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. Where is the year going? It's the 12th of December. Sam Edmund, Simon O'Donnell. Scoob, open up some milk before and the used-by date was the 24th of December. It's uh, it's flying along. But Trav Bell's going to join us shortly as part of the McCafe menu. He is the bucket list guy. Why do you need to have one? What's good about having one? And the journey and everything associated with ticking it off. Uh, Peter Larkins is going to join us as well to discuss concussion developments that we'll get into in a moment. Clay Smith, Bulldogs Premiership player, won his first professional fight uh, in the boxing ring at the weekend. And we've got questions of that notice still to come as well. And you learn something new every day, Scoob, because I always thought Chicago was the windy city for obvious reasons. Mm. But as a couple of people have turned out, not true. While there was a tornado that blew through the city in the 1870s, got its initial term, the Windy City. It's mainly because uh, the locals are full of wind and the nickname stuck, windbags. Windbags. Yeah. There you go. I'm sure I'm all over that. Well, there you go. There's a little bit of trivia for you, whether it's true or otherwise. Um, okay. Let's straighten up a bit because I think the news from yesterday, I mean, the concern over concussion scoob and the mandated changes and the class actions, they are like a train that can't be stopped. And they're heading towards contact sports all around the globe. I mean, that is certainly being felt here at the moment and none more so than yesterday when the AFL was urged to radically overhaul its concussion rules. The Victorian State Coroner has explicitly recommended that the AFL warn players about the risk of developing CTE from sub-concussive head knocks suffered in the game. Our uh, state coroner is John Kane, and he put 21 recommendations to the league as he leads an inquest into the death of former Richmond player Shane Tuck, who, of course, took his own life three years ago, just aged 38, a long battle with mental illness. And he was later diagnosed, as have a number of other former players in recent times, with severe CTE at a post-mortem examination at the Australian Sports Brain Bank. Now, the inquest yesterday heard Tuck was hearing voices telling him he's no good and that he'd been involuntarily admitted to a psychiatric institution even in the two years before his death. Now, John Kane said he accepted, and this is probably key to it all, accepted the medical evidence that limiting exposure to repetitive head injury reduced a player's risk of developing CTE. So not purely linking CTE to concussion episodes per se, just repetitive head injuries or head knocks in uh, in contact sport, which I think is significant and something that a lot of the experts have been demanding for, for some time. So 21 recommendations that we'll get to in a moment. I mean, I don't know where we go from here, but I know that we're going somewhere and it can't be stopped. That, that was the interesting part that you just mentioned. I, I think the the relationship of, of CTE to, to um, uh, 
um, you know, uh, the unfortunate act of suicide. You know, where does that sit with with um, head tra- with concussions and head trauma? Um, what 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 contribution is there? To, you know, when a person hasn't played any um, sports where he may have been exposed to constant head contact and unfortunately loses their life in a in an untoward you know a manner that shocks everybody and and that's a terrible thing to happen. What is that association with CTE? Do, and that's the stuff I'm. I think the coroner is now saying is you know, we need to find out more mm. about what happens on this side before we say it's all that side's fault of the brain I'm talking about here. That's the that one that's been knocked about and one that one that hasn't through through trauma of of playing sports. So I, I think there, there's a way to go. It's not a black and white area where there there is a a portion of blame and that's a given. I think there's a lot more research has to go into what the contributing factors are and to what percentage those factors contribute. And he wasn't mucking around with his recommendations. You can come along uh, on the ride with us on this, by the way. The open line's one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and the 40 Wings Tempers 0433981116. So he recommended the coroner, John Kane, that the AFL reduce full contact training by 2025. He strongly urged um, for the widespread introduction of accelerometer mouthguards, which obviously me- measure a player's exposure to repetitive head injury. That's the latest technology in that space. He urged the AFL to employ something they've resisted for a long time, actually, independent concussion spotters who would have the power to overall club doctors in if there was like an Aaliyah-Aaliyah situation mm. um, at the Adelaide Oval this year and where a player should be removed for a game for an assessment. Um they told, uh, John Kane told the AFL to better improve communications with players and their families when it comes to the risks of CTE, mandate brain testing of each player's um, brain at the end of each season, uh, develop and implement that baseline neurological testing um, so the data can be linked to each player's profile to monitor any changes, of course, uh, improve and encourage brain donation rates, rates, and on and on it goes. So... The AFL has got, I think, 90 days to formally reply to John Kane's recommendations, but there are a serious set of mm. recommendations in there that uh, that will continue potentially to change the face of the game. And I, I think the, the game has to continue to evolve. I mean, it, um, as simple as this may sound, 30 years ago, a, a knee reconstruction you know, basically was career-ending. Well, now you know, you, you're back sometimes with the different methods that they can do it within – Six months and definitely within twelve months, and may never have another uh, occurrence of an injury, and and so often that didn't happen a long time ago. So, so change is change is good, I suppose. From just a, a personal, you know, footy is is going to cop the brunt of this, and and they they need to you know um, uh, deal with it as as best they can, and and they will. You know, I, I've only experienced one concussion in the AFL of a family member of mine, and the reaction of the clubs and the doctors um, and the communication to the family around uh, um, the concu- the person who got the concussion was second to none. It was mm. absolutely fantastic. So I think we 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 can't look at the AFL and say their protocols are just no good. Their protocols are fantastic. 
for for where we are with the knowledge we have yeah. of CTE and its effect. And he did praise the AFL. We'll get to that part in a moment in the AFL statement in, in reply yesterday. Some 30-odd changes now over the last 20 years the AFL have instituted uh, as they continue to get better awareness around concussion. Brian's in Chelsea Heights on the open line. How are you, Bryza? Uh, hi, fellas. Uh, quickly, I was going to call about Kiwi because I'm not a fan. I think, I think he's a, a talented bully. But uh, with Shane Tuck, I'm a Richmond fan and watched him play a lot of football. And what happened was a, a, a genuine tragedy. But don't forget, Shane, Shane also was a professional boxer. Mm. Yeah. And, and Brian, we get every time we mention Shane Tuck, we get a stack of texts. And this morning is no different. People saying, you can't blame footy, he did boxing. And look, that is true. At the end of his career, after his career, he fought five times. He was knocked out. Well, severely, at least on one occasion in the ring. And that was mentioned yesterday in the coroner's inquiry. But the issue is that we've had other players who have had no or limited exposure to boxing who have been diagnosed with CTE uh, post their passing. And that, that is Danny Frawley. That is the great Polly Farmer. That is uh, AFLW star Heather Anderson. So we can't just say because Shane Tuck took up boxing, he had CTE. It's, it's unfortunately not that simple, I wouldn't have thought. But it- in saying that, Sam, and that, that's where we get back to the relationship of CTE to to normal life experiences, whether they be you know, family tragedy, financial tragedy, whatever it may be, where, where people get to a, to a level of darkness where they want to um, say life isn't worth living anymore. Mm. You know, what are what are the the normal transactions of life contribution to that as well as football? That that's the balance probably I'm looking for is to say. Well, because you're a footballer, it doesn't mean you're not going through any of the other yep. life experiences that cause people, unfortunately, to go to dark places and take their own lives. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, that needs to be explored in, in my mind so much more because th- th- they are not exempt from normal life pressures. Well, in many cases, they're more exposed to them because they're going from a very different life, like a lot of professional sports people, to then an abundantly normal one like that. Mm. Like when the guillotine comes down on some of these guys in their, their careers and they get to their thirties or it comes in their mid twenties and the primes of their life. And they haven't thought about what they're going to do next or they're not ready for the next phase of their life. And then they plummet into, as we've seen, regardless of concussion that can lead to all sorts of issues. So this is what the AFL players association do so well though, is preparing these men and women for life after the game. Um, and by the way, we should point out Lifeline. The number is 13 11 14 as we can continue this conversation. The AFL have got, as I say, 90 days to, I guess, formally respond to, to uh, John Kane's recommendations. Um, the AFL General Counsel was in court yesterday as well. And the inquiry did praise the AFL's research and concussion spotting system. The, the league statement, Scoob, it said, uh, the AFL continues to prioritise the health and safety of our players at all levels of the game. We will now take time to formally review the recommendations. The AFL has a team of people specifically working on initiatives to improve brain health in our sport. And the AFL has already made more than 30 changes to on-field rules and match review and tribunal guidelines over the past two decades to further protect the head and annually updates the AFL and AFLW concussion guidelines to improve the response to head knocks in our game. The AFL is constantly investigating further changes and initiatives that involve technology and equipment trials and exploration of concepts that are directed towards protecting the health and safety of our athletes. The reduction in contact training, though, in a couple of years' time is what got the headlines yesterday. Mm. It is alarmist, um, but that was one of the recommendations that came from John Kane. 
So, so where do you go from those recommendations from the coroner? Um, the AFL have 90 days to respond to those and, and put in train how they can gather data on the effect of contact well, there's a whole range of different recommendations there. And for, they merge from the technology side of things to the research side of things to the identification side of things. But is that now given? To the style of game. So, well, I'm not sure. I don't think they're ordered to do it at the moment. They are, as I read them, recommendations at the okay, moment. So, so to, to, to take up one of those recommendations, we're going to monitor X amount of players as we train now. We're going to monitor them and their brain health over a certain period of time correlate the data and and then say this is what we've found with contact training I would have thought and, the baseline yeah I mean I would have thought the baseline testing would have been a good thing to do like every player could have a a, a a concussion passport so to speak or a brain health passport so to speak where they can monitor changes and if those changes are concerning then they can but, step but, in and act so what contributes to that, that brain changing is it only the contact that happens in sport, or is it normal life's pressure? Well, they're, they're questions I cannot answer. And a lot of people coming through with similar questions. Do non-athletes ever get tested? Well, you can't test for CT while you're alive. That's only done um, after death. Has someone who has never played sports developed it? Are some of the questions coming through as well? Doc Larkins is going to join us. I'm not sure if he can answer these questions or not, but he will join us after the break. You've got a question for the doc. Drop it in the 40 Wings temper. Inbox tray, 0433981116. SEM Breakfast for Melbourne Airport Parking. Nothing beats... They're terminal parking, and you can book online. Magnificent. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. In the last, I'd say, five years, especially, the AFL and the clubs have put a lot of protocols around protecting the head. And um, I think when you play a contact sport, you're never going to get it perfect. So um, I think there's been a lot of trust in the AFL and clubs to, to monitor... Um, and protect players as much as they can. So um, I think that that I think that question is going to be getting asked for, for as long as this game goes. But I feel like every year the clubs in the AFL um, are working really um, hard together to to make sure that we not only play a great brand of footy, but make sure um, our health is sort of number one as well. Well, that was the Carlton captain, Patrick Cripps, yesterday and the trust that uh, he and his playing cohort have in the AFL and the doctors regarding concussion, which was back in the news in a big way yesterday after the recommendations John Kane put to the AFL in the inquest into the death of Shane Tuck. Sports medicine expert Dr. Peter Larkins joins us this morning. He's been doing it for a long, long time. G'day, Doc. Really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, morning, Sam. Morning, Simon. Yeah, it's a, it's a topic that keeps on giving isn't it yeah it's like a, uh, we discussed it earlier doc it's like a, a runaway train and it's not just headed for afl it's headed for all contact sports across the globe and it's up to them to to change with the times i mean what did you make of the recommendations and there were 21 of them made yesterday by uh, john kane i mean um, the afl they're not mandated to make these changes are they but they've got three months to to, to formally apply Reply. Yeah, look, I, ex- I expected there'd be some fairly negative comments come out of it because of the, you know, the media focus and the community mm. focus on the concept of the long-term, you know, effects of head knocks and what we've seen. And it, as you say, it's a global issue. It, it's it's affecting the NFL. It's affecting soccer in Europe, as well as uh, other sports like like horse racing with the jockeys and and AFL. So they're guidelines that have been, you know, recommended to 
to the AFL in this particular Shane Tuck case, but in sport generally. So, I mean, most sports will take on advice when it's clear that there's something can be done to improve player safety or participant safety across across it. But, but you know, there's some really challenging ones in there, like, you know, limiting contact training um, in, in, in certain circumstances. That's going to be something that will cause great discussion at the clubs, I would think, Sam. And, you know, we talk about the AFL or we talk about the jockeys and soccer and the NFL. I mean, these are the elites, as we're being told here off the text as well, Doc. I guess the minority number of elite players, I guess the broader issue would appear to be everyone else who plays the game at a, at a grassroots level. You know, community footy in this part of the world. Well, that's the point I was going to make, and you brought it up ahead of me, is that, you know, this is a much bigger issue when we talk about concussion across the community. So we're talking about a very, very small minority of participants when we're talking about the uh, mm. the AFL or even the NFL. So this, this issue for, for GPs, for, for other doctors and clinics that are seeing concussion much more frequently now in the sense that people present because they're, it's in the, in the media, it's a much bigger issue about head knocks and concussion and how it's managed. I mean... It's one thing to say, you know, that managing the players at AFL level, it's a pretty elite management system and the AFL takes on board the advice they're given. And you mentioned before how many changes have been made. But I can tell you now across the community sports, whether whether it's basketball, whether it's junior footy, there's very, very little coverage medically at these. And it's a real challenge across the community. Uh, talking about community and, and just normal community pressures, can, can you be diagnosed with CTE, um, be, you know, with... Um, not being subject to head knocks during your you know, your life, your your sporting experience, Pete. Oh, absolutely, Simon. Yeah, good morning. Look, your CTE, you know, is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It's not a sport encephalopathy. It's traumatic, so it can be related to a whole range of things. And so, what we're talking about, first of all, it's not diagnosed before you're dead, so it's mm. a really difficult thing. You can have symptoms that may be consistent with dementia and memory or behaviour and anger and suicidal thoughts and we know that's across the community as you rightly said before Simon that you know that's 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 common in the community so we have to really distinguish between where sport is to blame and where lifestyle issues are to blame because it's it's a common thing anyway but you know you can have CTE diagnosed as a result of this so CTE is where the brain when it's looked at after death there's all these protein deposits associated with replacement of brain tissue and it's been associated with a particular condition. So we're still learning. It's it's a very early days evolving curve in terms of trying to get the benefit. But I think the medical world and the sports medicine world is taking on the advice as, as rapidly as it's given to them. The, one of the recommendations was, I think, to summarise here, Doc, for, for greater um, baseline testing, I think was the words that, that John Kane might have used. I mean, are the AFL, do you know, are the AFL doing something in this in this realm already or is this something when we're not doing? It's pretty rudimentary, Sam, because, it, it, look, the objective testing where you can just, you know, take yeah. a photo of the person's brain or you can do a questionnaire that says, oh, this is the stage you're at with your brain function, it's pretty rudimentary. It's You know, we, we're a long way away from having a definitive, quick, objective test beforehand. Mm. And I don't know if you remember the old, you've been around, Sam, long enough, and you too, Simon, you know, the old pen and pa- pencil that the people used to sit there and tick the boxes and <laughs> see the reaction time on the bench that used to be done pre-season and blokes would just dumb it down and do a poor performance in the pre-season so they could perform well so so that was pre-season testing 20 years ago Sam if you like but right now in terms of MRI scan functional MRI or other ways of having baseline testing it's just too big a task to do it across the 850 and so we don't really have that in place very well. Do you think we can ever, and this is a imp- very difficult question to ask you, Doc, I suppose, and even um, more unfair to expect an answer, but Patrick Cripps there saying he, he believes this will be a debate that we forever 
have with our game by virtue of the way that he's played. Do you, do you think we could ever get to a, a, for lack of a better phrase, a sweet spot where we, I mean, we're, we're always going to be wrestling with this, aren't we? Just by virtue of the fact that we yeah. play a danger, inherently dangerous game. Well, it's one of the most, you know, athletic collision contact sports in the world. And I think we're going to have that. We, we can't change the fabric of the game completely. I mean, we already have an issue of, of parents not wanting their mm. children to go into certain sports for fear of injury. And, you know, and, and the big consequence of that is the lack of fitness. And we already have an obesity crisis. So there's a real flow on effect of trying to get that period of time where sport is safe but parents are still happy to have their children participating, knowing that they might do a hamstring injury or might do a knee injury, or they might get a head knock. It's very difficult to sanitise sports that have got contact or collision, especially when you have teammates running into each other. So, it's you know, we've seen that with the Port Adelaide. We saw that with Jeremy Cameron and Gary Rowan when they knocked each other into the next suburb. So it's not just opposition. It can happen in, in the nature of the game. I mean, very quickly, the NFL have restricted their contact training to 30 minutes in certain sessions. In the UK, they've stopped heading of the ball in under-15 sport in a soccer. Not allowed to head the ball. It's like telling a footballer he's not allowed to kick the ball. Mm. So they're already making changes around the world to try to make it it, safer. But you obviously change your skill set then because you're not preparing for the sport with the normal amount of preparation. So there are some incredible challenges there, but changes are being made to try and make it safer but I don't think we're ever going to eliminate it. It's going to be an ongoing discussion and we have to look at prevention and management at at the same time. So, Pete, what's the model look like going forward? This isn't a question that's going to be answered overnight and a solution found. So what's the model look like going forward for participants and also, you mentioned them, which is very important, for parents wanting their kids to play their sport? Well, I don't know. It's not an easy answer to give, Simon, because, I mean, clearly the model is is looking at saying, how do we make the sport as safely as possible? And every time we identify a predictable injury, and the knees are a good example, we go back and say, why are these knees happening? Is it because of the lack of strength? Is it it, it that we're not using it with wrong boots? So we've always analysed to look and say, how how can we make a sport safer where there's an identifiable injury? So, you know, look, sport in terms of head injury, I see it that there's an incredible duty of care on opposition players. We've seen many changes coming in the last decade where there's more onus on the opposition player to protect the head of the opponent. That wouldn't have happened when you played footy, Simon, but now it's there. Um, management on the day so so it is improved so in terms of getting players and especially kids with the brains under 18 years of age where it takes longer to recover they're spending more time out of the sport so there's more restricted time um, sideline assessments improving you know the, the slightest little suggestion so I think the fabric of the game's changing a bit because we're taking more care on the day and taking longer to come back so uh, and that's you know, understandable because we want to make sure that we don't have any long-term problems of, of behaviour issues or indeed the suicide and deaths, which is really the, the really tragic answer. Pete, uh, before we let you go, just to let you know that uh, the boss's ankle, 100%. Good job. Uh, very good because it's very important she's around to look after you. <laughs> Doc, we love talking to you, mate. We know you're flat out. Right. We, we know you are flat out. You've probably got a big day in theatre there. Um, appreciate your time, mate, uh, as Thanks. always, and uh, have yourself a good day. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Simon. Dr. Peter Larkins there. You'll have to fill me in on that. That's a question that I noticed for you later on. Uh, weather update, City Power supplying power to homes in the CBD and the inner suburbs. 18.7 already, headed for a top of 32 today. And would you believe it? No rain. Nathan, thank you. Jeff's in Manor Lakes. He's been waiting very patiently on the open line. Sorry to keep you there, Jeff, and, and welcome along. Uh, no problem, guys. Um, look, I, I'm just thinking about the um, about time that 
the AFL looked into an independent doctor. Uh, the NRL have had that for probably minimum three, four years. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, all right, but they, they aren't at, at the actual game. From my understanding, they're actually in the bunker. But they, they have a, you know, good resource there where they have a look at the incident and, and so forth. And then they grade it. And, and from my understanding, grade one is that player shouldn't be returning to the game. Grade two is that they need to go through their testing and mandatory 15, 20 minutes off the ground. And grade three, they still have to do that as well, but there are more chance of coming back into the game. And, you know, I think that would just stop the illegal type incident where, you know, Port Adelaide let them stay on the ground. Yeah, well, exactly, Jeff. And you'd like to think that the that the club doctors, even though they have a club polo on, have got the players' best uh, interests and welfare and healthy mind, and and they do. But if they there is an independent doctor, then that would have avoided, as you say, the Aaliyah situation. Get to the bottom of that Aaliyah. They got fine. Yeah, yeah, came down hard on on them. That was a that was a bad blue. Um, Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for waiting on the line. Uh, We need to get to a break a little bit earlier than normal, though. Want to make room for the bucket list guy, Trav Bell, on the other side, Scoop. And I still want to know what's on your bucket list. Don't leave me wanting on this. This is part of this segment, okay? What you want to get out of your last, you know, let's say 50 years on this planet, Scoob, to um, to live a life well fulfilled. Really looking forward to chatting to Travis. Me too. Clay Smith's still ahead of us as well. And that's all ahead of us on the McCafe menu. And you, one 736 Back shortly. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Charlie's dropped a pointed text, which we'll circle back on in a moment, Scoob, because we need to get to our next guest. And as we race towards the end of the year, we, we well, I think we often take stock of where we are and who we are without getting too deep on you here this morning. And it's a time of goal setting, New Year's resolutions and all of that stuff. So our next guest is a keynote speaker. He's a podcast host. He's a best-selling author and a man who has made a career out of identifying and ticking off bucket list items. Trove Bell, welcome back to SEN. Hey, brother. How are you? Great to have you on. Great to have you on. Now, ticket before you kick it is the catchy mantra you live by, but it is more than that, isn't it? Yeah, it totally is. It's, oh, I think it's a life philosophy, mate. You know, we're, we're getting to the end of the year. We're starting a new year. A bucket list is a tangible life plan where a career plan or a business plan should fit into our life plan and not be the other way around. If, if that, if you know, really work to live, let's bring home that principle, I reckon. Now, you uh, just recently described it, I think, as, you know, happiness is the ultimate currency in, in life, you know, and as... As humans, we are, what did you say, designed for growth and development. You know, we're hardwired for new challenges. 100%. I mean, that's the thing. People are dying at 40 and being buried at 80. Let that sink in. Um, yeah, so yeah, I know what you're saying. People, yeah, but what, 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 what we settle, we set, we settle or? 100%. I mean, people get to, we even call it a crisis, don't we? We call it a midlife crisis. I've just uh, I've just turned fifty, so I've had my centenarian midlife crisis, and uh, you know at the end of the day, it's about identifying the things that it's not just about ticking a whole bunch of cool stuff off your bucket list, mm. and that's that's all well and good. It's really about the 
how you reverse engineer every aspect of your life in order to make this stuff come to fruition. It's the growth of you on this journey towards these self-imposed destinations. But more importantly, it's about the you that exists on the other side. And that's a person that we don't know yet. That's our potential. But when we get to midlife, we call it a crisis. Um, we stop pushing the envelope. We stop challenging ourselves. But we are hardwired to grow and develop and seek new challenges. And, you know, bucket list, I say, is a lot more meaningful, a lot more purposeful, a lot more fulfilling. And it gives us a deep sense of gratitude as well. Really lights it up. And, you know, we, we need that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. So, Trev, how do we restart the engine? You yeah. know, the engine stops at 40. You think, oh, you know, nothing more. You know, I'll just potter along. Nine to five. Yeah, how, how, do you, how do you put the petrol in the petrol oh. tank and start the engine again? Yeah, mate, I, unfortunately, Simon, the, uh, you know, it takes pain. Unfortunately, personal pain for us to get off our ass and go and do something, right? So, unfortunately... It's it's a, you know, and hopefully my whole mission and all of our bucket list coaches that we've got around the world, you know, our mission is to wake people up before they get given a use-by date. So I don't want to be the bearer of bad news because it's not really Christmas spirit, um, <laughs> but it does take pain or, you know, look, a diagnosis, a get given a use-by date. It's, a, it's something that's happened to us personally, maybe some trauma that gets us to, dramatically recalibrate on what lights us up, you know, or a sense of, uh, you know, disenfranchisement, you know, uh, mental health. Obviously, we're in a mental health perfect storm at the moment. Mm. And that's why I, you know, do what I do is to wake people up before they get given a use by date and find that spark again. Yeah. So people listening this morning, um, Trav, who, who might not have had that, thankfully, that, you know, crushing, yeah. you know, life reality hit them or setback or life-changing experience hit them where they've been forced to do such a thing. What would your advice be them to them this morning if they're driving to work, they might be feeling just a little bit stale or they're, they're in their 40s or whatever age they are and they feel like they need a bit of a spark? I mean, what, what, are, the, what are the first couple of steps that you could, could quickly guide them on? Mate, the, you know what? And this is going to sound really rudimentary, but get this stuff out of your head and actually write it down. Remember these things called pens and paper back in the day? Remember those things? Yes. I got my, little, I got, I know, you had to get your pen. Analog. Yeah, you had to get your pen license at school, but I remember it. Yeah, I remember it. That's it, mate. We're, we're, we're going to write, like, you've got a 46, most people don't even write down their goals because of fear of, let alone bucket list items, because of fear of failure, fear of disappointment. If I actually write this thing down, that makes it real. I don't want to disappoint myself once again, so I won't even write it down. And that's reality. You know, I go into audiences around the world as a keynote speaker, and I say, hey, write, write your goals down. Write your bucket list down. And it's like I've discovered freaking fire, mate. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a revelation to a lot of people. But we need to separate our daily to-do list from our bucket list. How do you separate and, your goal and bucket list, Trev? Mate, write down your bucket list. What everything. But what's the difference between a goal yeah. and a bucket like, list? Like we're not we're not talking like Gavin Tasmania here, Trav, saying I, I want to see Essendon yeah. win a premiership, but at this stage she'll take a finals win. Like we're not, we're not talking about that sort of stuff, are we? That's a that's a deep wish list. Mm. So I can't <laughs> help you there. Mate, um, but no, it's actually about separating. No, look, bucket list items. I've created. I did a TED talk a few years ago, as you know, Sammy and. I did a I did a TED talk at TEDx Melbourne here, and 
that was actually one of the things on my bucket list. And mm. you can YouTube it. And it's called Life's Too Short by Trev Bell. I've got a mohawk in it. That was my FU40 haircut. Um, but I go through this thing called the my, the my Bucket List Blueprint, the namesake of the book as well. And where I go through 12 steps to uh, really unpack what a what a personally meaningful and holistic bucket list actually looks like. So a lot of people actually think it's all about travel, um, maybe money, you know, buying the materialistic, you know, the material items. Mm. That's all well and good, but it's only a very, very small section. It's about legacy. It's about kind acts for others. So you can go through this My Bucket List Blueprint. It's an acronym for how to unpack a personally meaningful and holistic bucket list. But at the end of the day, mate, there's not much difference between you know, a goal and a bucket list item. But at the end of it, we just want to write write this stuff down, get it out of our heads and onto paper, which makes it real. And then and then check in and keep adding, keep adding and keep adding until the day you die. We've also got a concept called the reverse bucket list, oh. which I encourage people to also do. And the reverse bucket list is your done list. And if you are feeling down for whatever reason, mm. and this helped me through my mental health battles as well, is write down everything you've done in your life as if it were in a bucket list all the way along. Do yeah. that first. And as a result, you get this huge gratitude list, yeah. right? And it puts a smile on your face, mate. Make it visual, get the pictures out. And uh, so, you know, keep adding to your future bucket list. And then once they're ticked off, it goes over onto your reverse bucket list. But oh. at the end of the day, it is about writing this stuff down. And then look at the low-hanging fruit. What doesn't take you the time and money? <clears throat> what doesn't take the time and money that travel, say, takes? And yeah. as a result, this weekend, today even, go and tick something off. It might be learning Spanish, picking up a guitar. It might be, you know, doing a kind act for another person, whatever. But that creates, that's the first domino that, that gets us over that initial inertia towards, you know, achieving goals, achieving bucket list items, and gives us that momentum and motivation to smash through, smash through the bigger ones. It's about choosing happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Now that reverse bucket list sounds powerful. I like the sound of that. And and to state the obvious, I think you call it comparisonitis. Like this is about you and only you. There's no need to compare with anyone yeah. else. Yeah, because we get judgment out we get judged mm. out there and a lot of people again we're comparing. You know, that's if you actually remove ego, um, it's amazing what can happen. And we're not you don't have to make you know, make it public or anything like that. Sure, a goal is better shared. You know, one of the best ways to lose weight, you know, as you know, Sammy, I was involved in the personal training industry for over 20 years. And one of the best ways to lose weight is actually to publicly announce it on Facebook, funnily enough. Um, you know, a public accountability is huge. Yeah. And so if you actually make your bucket list public, now you don't have to, what you'll get is a lot of people that just support you and, and that, that public accountability is huge. Mm. And you don't, never know where the resources are going to be in order to collapse that time frame between where you are and where you want to be. So your mate, your mate that you've known all your life might have a connection to make that bucket list item come to fruition. But if you don't tell anyone about what you want to do in life, then how are those resources meant to show up? Yeah, I find a fascinating scoop. Scoob's got a bucket list he won't share with us, but that's his prerogative, um, Trav, to be honest. Well, but there, Maybe it's an X-rated bucket list, mate. There, there is some things that on, on paper, people's bucket I mean, I get tagged, I get shared GoPro footage, <laughs> I, I get 
you know, <laughs> most of it's legal. And, and hey, look, Trev, I'm, I'm just picking something up from my bucket list. And, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, every day, mate, that's, uh, I've been doing this stuff for 12 years and I, I get, it gets, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Hey, mate, well done on what you're doing, though. It is a magnificent thing. I mean that um, with all the sincerity in the world and you're travelling the world and you're doing it. And in many ways, that's your own bucket list, too. It's been Hugely admirable with with what you've done with it all, mate. And we appreciate you sharing us some uh, some time this morning. No worries, Sammy. Thanks, guys. Great to catch up, Trav Bell. There, the bucket list guy, which is what someone coined him some um, dozen years ago. Um, Scoob, and he thought, you know what? That's not a bad title. Yeah. We'll, we'll run with that. Yeah, good. Uh, off the text, I must admit, I've just hit 43. I had a redundancy earlier this year, which proved to be the kick in the pants I needed. I changed industry to work for an NFP as I was financially comfortable. Um, have committed to travelling overseas at least once a year and introducing the kids to other cultures. I'll be representing the over-40s for Victoria in indoor cricket. Likely none of this would have happened if I didn't uh, sit back and reflect on what was important to me. I like the sound of the reverse bucket list. I mm. reckon that is more important almost than the bucket list itself. Life goes so fast. Sometimes just sit back, take stock, smell the roses, as they say, and look at what you've done in your life if you're in a, in a dark moment. And you think, God, I have done some great things. Died at 40, buried at 80. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's true, isn't it, in many interesting cases? Line. Yeah. Really interesting line. That uh, catch-up with Trav Bell, the bucket list guy, was for Macca's. Barista made ice-cold drive through for you. text, I reckon, should be listened pretty intently to that. Now, by the way, he's on Instagram. He's on everything, of course, as they all are. But bucket list guy dot Trav Bell. Good you response. will find him on Good there. Um, on to the bucket list. They are indeed. Okay, get involved on the 40 Wings temper text. They've got a unique bed match profile. Find the right bed for you. 40 Wings, serious about sleep. They might work for ASIO. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Uh, some nice feedback for the bucket list guy, uh, Scoob. The Trabell segment was very good. It was relatable. He did not lecture on mental health while addressing relevant mental health issues. Uh, Harvey, I'm a bucket list coach. I joined Trab this year. Just finished a movie script and 17-year itch. Wrote it in 12 weeks. Um, so some feedback there. But amongst all of that came this curious uh, text from Charlie which I've just momentarily lost, actually. Where is it, Scoob? Oh, here it is. Sorry to say I've lost any respect I might have held for Simon O'Donnell in seeing what he's trying to do this morning. What are you trying to do this morning? ASIO, mate. Can't say. You're a spy. Mm. You're up to no good, clearly, in the uh, mind of Charlie. You're... O'Donnell. Is that for me? <laughs> it's or with a zero. someone else? <laughs> a zero, comma, Donald. <laughs> Is that sure that's for me? It's uh, not for me. I think it's more it's likely to be I'd, for you. Uh, expect to get from my boss at ASIO because uh, what, what I am trying to do here this morning. Text from 945. I find picking up the phone and calling somebody that I've been thinking about for years helps. Yeah, we've those people that we used to be really good friends with or see that we've just lost contact with and you think, I've just got to call them and you never do. Actually pick up that. I did a couple of these the other day while walking the dog. I called three of my old mates. To wish him a Merry Christmas. I thought, I should have done that ages ago. And I felt good. You could have done that yesterday while you were just lazing. Yeah, I didn't have a good day yesterday. On the couch. I was in a bad mood. did nothing. You achieved zero. I feel energised today, though. Nothing on the bucket list you achieved yesterday. No, it was a bad day. I didn't feel good about yesterday. Bad bucket day. Wasted it. And you shouldn't do that. Clay Smith's not wasting a moment. He's the premiership hero at the Western Bulldogs. whose career ended early. But he's reset and he's come back. 
as a he's professional a boxer. A he's very oh. tough. I think three Ricos, countless other injuries as well. But he's making his second poster winner in the boxing ring. So we'll have a chat to Clay Smith. A couple of questions already coming through for Clay. We'll pause for Nathan Gardner's headlines and be back in a moment. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Just gone 8 o'clock on this Tuesday morning. Great to have your company on Summer Breakfast. Uh, Sam and Scoob with you. The Western Bulldogs Premiership star Clay Smith will at the weekend on Saturday, in fact. Saturday night, Scooby took a huge step in his new boxing career. Won his first professional bout. Forever a Dogs Premiership star. And that four-goal prelim performance will forever live on. It was injuries that cut his footy career short. But in the words of the late Scotty Palmer, he's kept on punching. Clay Smith, welcome to SEN. Thank you very much, boys. Thanks for having me. It's turned out to be a pretty good decision thus far, it would appear. Yeah, looks like it. <laughs> Take us through Saturday night. With it. What was it like? I mean, I know you've done it on an amateur level for a while, the boxing, and there was enough promise there to, to turn pro. What were the? What was your level of anxiety like as you stepped into the ring on Saturday night? Um, oh, look, it's definitely stressful. Um, walking out in front of three, 4,000 people and hundred out of your, your close mates and family, you don't really want to get knocked out in front of them, that's for sure. So that's probably the biggest worry. Um, but it's exciting at the same time. It's, you train hard for it and you, you make sure you do all the things that you need to do to make sure that you put yourself in, in the best position to win. And, and I did that. So, um, yeah, Jill turned out all right and he ended up on his back and not me. <laughs> Clay, tougher training for footy or boxing? Um, different, very different. So, Clay, what um, – yeah, sorry, he just lost you there for a minute. Continue. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, very different. Um, footy pre-season's pretty tough, but it's, it's a different fitness, mate. Um, still, it's oh, – it's, I get – I'm lighter when I, when I fight, um, but, yeah, it's, it's a more short, sharp, explosive type of sport. And, and footy, you're out there for two hours. I was only in the ring for three minutes, so – um, yeah, she's a bit different. So, Clay, what, what's got you to here? So there'll be a lot of people listening this morning who remember you as the Western Bulldogs uh, footballer, and we mentioned the 2016 flag. And sadly for you, your career ended on the footy field not long after that. I mean, what what happened after that? And, and what has led you to this um, career choice on the sporting on the sporting sense? Um, well, obviously, the knee uh, didn't want to didn't want to play footy with me, so um, I've got arthritis in my knee now. I've got to have my hip resurfaced, so the body's a bit banged up. Um, and, and I've always sort of enjoyed the boxing and the fitness for that, and and sort of got asked to to have a fight four or five years ago before COVID, and that all sort of hit, and then enjoyed it, stuck with it, and then um, yeah, it's just I've had I've had well that's my fourth fight now, but first pro fight on the weekend. And, Something that that I'll continue to do, but I just got to work around footy. Um, obviously, head coach out at Point Cook, and um, that takes main priority when footy season's in in full swing. So, um, yeah, I look to have two fights a year at this stage. Yeah, now just on the Point Cook stuff, we got a question here from uh, an M Harmer saying he hasn't been a preseason yet, but he's still wanting to start at half forward. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's gold. <laughs> and you can start at half forward in the twos. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, we just had Trev Bell on 
um, Clay, and, and he was talking about, you know, setting goals, et cetera. And, and you know, you're still involved with your footy and your, your, your coaching and, you know, your first professional fight. Is there a goal? Is there somewhere you'd like to be with mm. your boxing in a couple of years' time? Um, oh, look, it, it's tough at this stage. Um, I, I sort of – footy has always been my biggest love um, and will continue to be. Um, so that's my main priority. Um, but – yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll sort of see where it goes. I, I'm, I'm going to keep fighting. I need, I need something that I, I can strive for that I can do competitively, and um, and boxing gives me that um, something that yeah I can compete in, and and it's for me. Um, coaching, I love, and, and and teaching the boys and getting success that way. But yeah, I still need to do something that that I can focus on and and get fit and keep me fit and healthy in the mind and and in body. And and what is the day job, Clay, if I may ask? I mean, if the background noise is any indication, it's it's pretty hectic. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm on uh, the Metro Tunnel in the city. Yeah, right, so, okay. Um, yeah, pretty busy. I drive forklift and, and machines most of the time. We've got this crane license and doggies, like doggies, so I work with cranes and stuff, but pretty much in a forklift most of it. So, yeah, you can hear the radio going off in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you've pulled the lift over to take yeah. this call. But um, <laughs> I... Um, how many, how many, I mentioned the 2016 prelim and I, I was there that night. It was, the, I think it was four goals in the first half. It was just uh, 26 possessions or something. And then the premiership the week after, I mean, it, I, how does it live on with you? It was just a magical ride for you and your teammates in 2016. Yeah, definitely something that, that I look back at and I cherish. Um, and it probably took a couple of years to probably sink in how big a deal that was for the footy club and, um, yeah, it, it's fond memories, and and I've got friendships for life, and and memories for life, and um, yeah, no, it was it's something that that is always sit in the highest of of my honours um, in my life, sporting wise, um, and it's it's still good. I still get down to the club every now and then, and I was actually lucky. I went down and spoke with their first and second year boys in the development group, and and sort of spoke to them about the ups and downs of footy, and then that sort of led to me. Speaking with Bevan and asking if he minds if I go in and sort of just watch how the coaches do things and yeah. and sort of get a get a view on it from that side for my coaching and and it's a good excuse to catch up with the boys again. So um, yeah, I look to do that again next year and and um, and spend a bit more time in there. Yeah, nice. A few of the old boys from 2016 and pre and post at the fight. Um, yeah, there's a couple. Um, it doesn't really uh, work too well in pre-season for a lot of them. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, there's been a few and a few of them, which has been good. Yeah. And you're training with Team Ellis Boxing. I think alongside Michael Zarafa would be a name that's known to, to many, Clay. Um, what's your style as a, as a fighter then? I mean, how did you – you would have done a fair bit. I mean, these times have changed. You would have done a fair bit over the preseason out of, out of the Witten Oval. Did you think you had a natural talent for it then? And how has your style developed in, in the ring? Oh, look, I actually explained it the other day. My style is pretty much, it's probably a lot like my footy and my golf. Um, it's not the prettiest, but it's pretty effective. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, look, I, I, don't, I don't really take a backward step in the ring and, and don't mind just standing there and trading punches. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty aggressive style. I've learned to, to move my head a little bit more um, through training and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just continuing to learn. Um, I, it really is. It's an art. It's a skill boxing and, um, the idea is to hit and not get hit. So, uh, but Mitch Leak, who headlined the card on the weekend against Lockie Higgins, is a is a, a pretty well known fighter. And, and Mitch finished him in the first. I do a lot of training with him and, and learn a whole lot from him. He, he's a star. Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, but yeah, Michael Zaraf is down there. You got Tommy Fitzgerald and Tolan, Tolan Farm, and there's a, there's a few good pros down there. So it's a, it's a really good gym and environment to be around. And we got a text here posing a good question, actually, Clay. Um, the rig is it? Does it look better as a professional footballer or a boxer? What's that? The rig. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, probably as a boxer to be honest. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Um, well, but I've, I played at eighty-five, and um, I was soft. It was eighty-one for the fight on the weekend, but I was seventy-eight and seventy-nine for the two fights before that. So, um, you don't need to carry as much muscle. You're not taking as as many sort of big body hits and tackles and stuff like that. And and the heavier you are in the boxing ring, the bigger the blokes are you're fighting. So. Um, it's, it's ideal to lose a bit so you're not fighting monsters. Yeah. And Clay, the, the, the training for the boxing itself, you, you, you've outlined you know, just how difficult it is. But how are you fitting in? Full-time work. Yeah. Are you still having a hand in at the Western Bulldogs, coaching some footy and pro boxing. How the hell do you get through yeah. a day? Life's, life's pretty busy. I normally do 10-hour days here, 6.30 or 5. And then boxing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then I do sparring on Saturdays. And then... Try and fit a run or two in during the week as well. So um, it gets pretty busy once it's once footy starts as well. So footy sort of overlapped the last two weeks, and it was Monday to Saturday I was working and and had something on after work. So mm. it, it gets busy, um, but I I'd rather it like that than, than not at all. What so, about your man at half forward um, <laughs> who's going to start in the Palmer. twos? What's he bring to the table? <laughs> Matty, oh, he's good on the lip. He's he's a, he's a wicked keeper, so oh, you can imagine well. he, he's pretty good on the lip. So, no, he's, he's a he's a good fella, hey, really good fella. Clay, just before we let you go, and Scoob touched on us. Fascinating to have you um, come on after we had a chat to to Trevor Bell, who's I guess is our, our mindfulness and, and bucket list guru earlier on, and he he spoke a lot about gratitude and being grateful for what we have, almost a reverse bucket list to write down what we have achieved in our lives. Like for you to have, was it three Ricos in the end, countless other injuries, you, your footy career would have ended, you know, five to six to seven, eight years earlier than what you would have dreamt. So for you to then cope with that setback in your life and reset and find some real purpose now, I mean, does that re- sort of stuff resonate with you? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I sort of was like, why me? And sort of was angry at the world and, and my body when I did finish footy and then sort of take a step back and I can still walk and talk and I can still do things. And it was about finding what makes me happy and, and not sort of just finding all the things that weren't going well. And um, yeah, footy brought that back into my life, brought me happiness and so did boxing and, and just being grateful for what we do have. And um, yeah, so definitely, definitely resonates. Well, we better let you get back on the forklift because I think a lot of listeners will be wanting to know when these uh, tunnels are going to be finished. What, what sort of end date are we looking for for this uh, metro tunnel, please? <laughs> yeah, look, I've been on this salt for five and a half years. So, oh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, it, it, it's, a, it's a massive sight. It's, it's amazing what it has been achieved so far. and I think it's uh, probably another year off and they've already got trains running down on the tracks underneath the ground. So yeah, right. um, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're down in the dark in there for what? Ten hours a day? No, I'm up on surface. Thanks. Oh, that's good. I'm good for that. Yeah. No, I was I was down there for three and a half years, and oh. that's shit out. So <laughs> I'm, I'm up on surface, and I, I get to see the weather, and I get to see the sunshine. Oh, I love my surface. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a, good on you, mate. Uh, you got a busy life, but a good one by the sounds. Well done on what you're doing, and, and good luck with this exciting new career that you, you're carving out in the professional sense. Good on you. 
Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. There's Clay Smith there. <laughs> what a fascinating man he is. And wow. uh, yeah, There's some stuff in. He is, isn't he? That sounds like a fascinating project. That Metro Trains Tunnel, though. Huge. Because you know they're going to have trains running underground. I've heard that. I think that's why he's he, well, he was down there with his forklift. Three and a half years. Actually, three and a half years in the dark for ten hours a day. But they have lights on because if it was dark, you couldn't see what you're digging. Well, it, the, yes, the, I know they have the lights train on. Go all squiggly. But not seeing natural light for that long, and I'm sure he come up for a bit of a smoke from time to time. But gee whiz, that would be that's some hard work, isn't it? Very much so. Those men and women down there doing some fine work. Um, yeah. Good on him. That was good. Yeah, and yeah, I'm glad he turned the the, the old two way down a little bit. It was starting to get a little bit distracting, wasn't it? Too good of one. Can you are you there, Clay? You mate? Any yeah. danger of doing something? Yeah, Clay. Any, any danger? You move that lift, please. All right, uh, it's time time to get to this man. Summer breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Questions without notice. The Gazman. Make this Christmas a Gazman Christmas. And right now, enjoy 25% off polos and shorts. Welcome back. Questions without notice for our friends at Gazman. Actually, went into Gazman yesterday. They've got that nice deal. They've got a discount on the shorts as well. And I need a couple of new uh, shorter strides. So I'm going to pop in there today, actually. I think it was 25% off shorts as well as T-shirts and polos. What more do you want in life, Scoob? Question without notice. Interesting listening to Clay Smith. Mm. He said wicket keepers are chirpy. Yes. You were a wicket keeper. Were you chirpy? Yes. Although I knew that I generally had to go out and bat at some stage, so I sort of kept my own counsel more often than not. Jeez, Pick I, your mark. Jeez, I heard some good. <laughs> so I played, I spent a couple of seasons playing, what was it, under 14s? Was it Hatch Cricket? Hatch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came up from the peninsula and played a couple of games. And we played a game at Moorabbin one day, your old stomping ground, and they were pretty good. And they had a couple of kids who were real quick, but they also had a couple of kids who had real quick mouths as well. Never heard sledging like it. From the moment I went out to open until I was dismissed, relentless sledging. And a couple of them have stayed How long did with you bat? me. Not long enough. Uh, good 10 seconds. No, it wasn't, it wasn't long. Had the castle knocked over. I might have been out there for 20 minutes or so, but just relentless sledging. And as a 13 year old, you're thinking, man. It was confronting because I hadn't actually heard it before. It was like seeing better footwork from a snake, um, seeing better batters in a fish and chip shop. You know, funny now when you think back to them. Mm. But just India constant. So did you then get very chirpy knowing you didn't have to face the quicks because you were batting second? You'd already batted? No, so then, yeah, yeah, then I was. You were into them? Yeah, then I was into them. What were you into? No fear of repercussions. <laughs> Can't even remember. Just any, any chance you had, you were into them. Love a bit of a battle. Yeah. Where did you do the pr- predominantly? Where did you feel in the most? Gully. So you're close enough to get a few words oh, in there. Oh, my word. Yeah. Mm. Who, was, who was the best, though? Was it Heels? Was oh, it no, Swerven? Like, no. Swerven. Well, the, the quick bowlers generally weren't great because they were in the con. You know, they were just. Merv was. Kill you. Merv was, though. Yeah, they kill you. Is that, is that true or urban legend, Merv with the tickets, please, to. Um, Javid Mandat. Was it? Yeah. Was that true? Tickets, please. What did he call him? A he called him a tram driver, didn't he? Fat tram driver or something, didn't he? <laughs> and then he got him out and he said, "Tickets, please." <laughs> <laughs> what about the slips court? Oh, surely the Mark War Junior would have been good on the lip, wouldn't he? Mm. No, no, there was some goodies, goodies. Uh, but yeah, they were generally thought through without being. You know, spur yeah. of the moment was hard to come up with. Not crude. 
but oh, just no, funny. Um, Kerry O'Keefe. Yeah. Said over the last twenty four hours, you know, we've fallen out of love with cricket, um, and we just we're just waiting for the footy codes to restart in the new year. Do you think that's the case? I think there's some truth in that. And I don't know why, but my initial, my instinctive feeling would be because there's just too much cricket. Like back in the day, you'd have the Aussie summer as the hallmark of the cricketing calendar. So there'd be a real air of anticipation about it, especially as you and I have reminisced on many times, the Benson and Hedges World Series, the the, the three-team format. You know, that, there was real excitement around that even starting. So there was, footy was nowhere in... December, January. But now I reckon because there's been such a big blurring of the lines in the cricket calendar, it's all year round. Mm. But just, yeah, we can go and watch a test here and the Boxing Day test is great as a tradition, but it doesn't have the same excitement because I think we're, we're, we're awash with it all year round. Yeah, the newspapers and the news services, are, you know, footy's still getting as much time, if not more. And footy has got better at bec- staying relevant, relevant all year round True. with things like the True. trade period and things like the draft and rule changes mm. and all these things coming in. Pre-season starting earlier and earlier yep. prior to the mandated leave periods anyway, that they've got a nasty habit of staying relevant for a long, long time. No, I agree. And they're good at it. I do. But I think Kerry's spot on though. And he spoke with some lament over that, didn't he? Yesterday? Yeah, he always talks with passion. And when Kerry you know, gets serious, he generally makes some very good points. And I think that's one of them. I do think that's one of them. Peter, Clay Smith, pound for pound, the toughest player I've seen at the Dogs. Three knee Ricos. Four goals before halftime against GWS in that prelim. Without him, we don't get into the grand final. 11 tackles in the grand final. One goal. Had to retire way too early. That's Peter in sunshine. Good on you, Peter. He was a hard nut. Sport can be a bitch, can't it? 100%. Yeah. And it's just your ticket. When your ticket gets punched, your ticket gets punched. It's just wrong. Yeah. It's sent to test you for no... Given reason, it, it just bites you on the backside. It's a bummer. Who in the cricketing world was the toughest uh, ombre that you sort of well, shared a lot? by far. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Why is that? Tough I mentally, just, tough physically, I, I, tough... All, all of it. Didn't mind it. Physical, didn't... You know, mentally, he was just... He had a great belief that he, he could compete. And he wasn't the most talented batsman Australia had ever seen, but he's still one of Australia's greatest. And that was because he... He was just so dogged. You know, they, they just, there wasn't a weak link. He, he, he just didn't have a weak link, Alan Border, in any part of his game. Great to have Rick and Thornbury on the line. I met Rick quickly the other week when he was uh, uh, had his name and number pulled out. Uh, Scoob is that Toyota Caller of the Year winner. Took the new car. How are you, Rick? How's that new car going? Have you taken receipt of it yet? Not not as yet, gentlemen, but um, yeah, it's fair to say, uh, looking forward to that. An oh, incredibly great car. For SEN and uh, and Toyota. So is this a is this an early an early nomination for 2024 caller of the year? Is it? <laughs> it's, it's not. I think I should bypass any uh, any future potential of winnings. But um, I was just sort of thinking how excited uh, myself and my mate to be if um, either England or India were here for a Test series. I think we'd be at fever pitch and um, looking forward to the Test series against Pakistan and West Indies. But it just doesn't have quite the same allure. Um, so I think that's possibly more. You know, about the who, as opposed to the too much cricket this year. Fair enough. Um, well, fair enough, Rick. It's uh, a lot of people texting as well. Skull, one hundred percent right. Never mm. been less interested in the summer of cricket in all forms. 
Why are people falling out of love with cricket? Just because it is all year round. Just it's it's such a constant. The Australian teams always, you know, if they're not playing in a twenty twenty tournament, it's a fifty over tournament or their test matches. Mm. I, I think so. It, and maybe maybe yeah, the caliber of the opposition, like the Windies, are nothing, not a shadow of themselves. Oh, no. And Pakistan will hopefully be competitive, but they don't have those. I reckon if back in the day you used to almost you could name six or seven Pakistan cricketers easily, the greats of the game. Yeah. I'd struggle to name. Half the mm. starting eleven for Perth. We need another Mitch Johnson article. <laughs> rip one out tomorrow. Well, he's done his bit, hasn't he, Mitch? Without him, Liven things up a bit. <laughs> Just to speaking of Mitch, uh, here's a text. Uh, played against David Warner as a 17 year old. How do you reckon that went? I went back to high school on Monday with some new words in the vocab. <laughs> <laughs> played as a goalie in field hockey at school with the padding. It made me look quite hefty. Kids watching from the opposing school stood behind the goals and fat scolded me to no end. I weighed 55 kilos ringing wet. was quite a laugh for me. Last question without notice from me this morning. Or oh, last. Yeah, last. When well, you go to a pub doing for the last half, and yeah. you have roast of the day, has it ever been chicken? Oh, good question. And that was on the menu. It's always the top of the menu as well. When it's you always have lamb. roast of the day, always has it lamb. ever been chicken? <laughs> it's roast of forever. It's always lamb, isn't it? It's always lamb. It's never been chicken. No. Occasionally beef. That's a never good chicken. point without notice from you. And it's all for Gazman. Mate, this Christmas, a Gazman Christmas, 25% off polos and shorts, I can tell you. SEM Breakfast, powered by Kubota. For more than 40 years, they've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Thank you. Scoob, I'm not taking Instagram lessons from you again. Uh, the sort of clientele you follow on the gram, not Mate, fit. you've got to be real, Sam. Not fit for consumption, to be uh, honest. He's fit for consumption. He's fit for consumption. He, he just uses a number of expletives, but he goes around to some of the interesting destinations of Victoria and gives his description of what he's experiencing. Paul Sinclair. That's him. Paul Fluffy Sinclair. Yeah, if you don't like expletives, don't go anywhere near Fluffy. No, he comes with a warning. He does. A real Big warning. warning. Big, fat <laughs> warning. Your comment on the Windies might be a little premature. They just beat the Poms, uh, albeit in a one-day series. It shows they have a pulse. Will they have a pulse in this Aussie Test summer, do you reckon, Scoob? The Windies? The Windies? Yes. Uh, they're on the way in the Windies. I'll never get back to what they used to, and I think they're you know they're, they're struggling to hold their even their test status these days. Mm. So they they need to get a wriggle on very quickly. Agree with Scoob Alan Border the way he stood up to the Windies pace barrage never flinched. That is from ever. Brett and ever. gents. Never ever flinched. The McKinnon Hotel rotates the four roasts every month on the weekend: pork, beef, lamb, and chicken. Only one I've seen do that. That's from Ian in McKinnon. Mm. There, you go. there you go. Sunday roast at the Orong Hotel two weeks ago was chicken. Delicious, but would have preferred lamb. And that's the issue. Roast chicken doesn't couldn't carry roast lamb's bags. No. And you know it. Quite and right. I know it. And the pubs ah. know it. And that's why the old chicken yep. doesn't get a looking. Tastes. Rarely gets a looking. Gives you nothing, chicken. Mm. Nothing. Lamb gives you a bit of taste, a bit of texture. Indeed. Beautiful. Daisy Pierce, you had an early question of that notice. Why did Daisy... Uproot and change everything and uh, head over to coach the struggling West Coast Eagles in the AFLW competition as she has done. Well, she discussed that yesterday. Well, I, I see it as an incredible opportunity to come over here and work for one of the biggest clubs in the land. And I mean, the talent that's on this list is probably what excited me first and foremost. Like I've watched the competition really closely and yeah, the Eagles are a team that 
haven't performed as they have liked to to this point, but with the talent on the list, I, I think there's a really exciting future ahead and I was yeah, really keen to get a part of it. Exciting future, talent on the list, wants to be a part of it, speaking like a true coach already, Scoob, our Daisy Pierce. Hopefully we can get her on the show before the end of the week. Hey, hopefully we can get you on the show before the end of the day because we've still got a couple of prizes to give away. Got the Bataki ham, simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. Got a $100 Gazman voucher as well. How good's that? A gift from us to you, treat yourself summer style at Gazman. And we've also got... This is great for the school holidays. An Albert Park Mini Golf Family Pass as well. Johnny is in Belmont. He's on the open line. Hi, John. Hi, how you going? Well, we're good here. Yeah, good. Um, just listening to the cricket scores on the in the report, and it says that Sixers won by six runs. Or didn't they bat second? Sixers did bat second. Yeah, they, Sydney Sixers batted. Second, so did they win by six wickets or six runs? They won by, I guess the official description of a Johnny would be, they won by six wickets and then you'd put in brackets four balls left. Yeah, that's it. And also, this is not supposed to happen on sports radio. You guys make me hungry every morning. (laughs) (laughs) John, I know, and it's it's something we're aware of. We were just speaking off air before saying, heck, we talk a lot about food in these three hours. Neither of us are really sure why, Johnny, to be honest with you. No, it's not a complaint. I like it, but I'm just letting you know I'm getting hungry. Yes, I know. We are too. What are you going to have for brekkie, John? Yes. Sorry? What are you going to have for brekkie? Oh, I've been working for a couple of hours, so I don't know. I'm just gonna, as soon as I can stop, I'll eat somewhere. Oh, you're about ready for a yeah, bacon what, and egg roll. Yeah, a bacon and egg roll, washed down with a, uh, yeah. you know, a, a large sausage roll. What, what, are you, what are you gonna do? Uh, I reckon, uh, KFC. Oh, oh no, <laughs> Johnny! You're not going a large five and chips, are you? Come on, John. Not now. I'm, I'm talking about eleven, between eleven and twelve o'clock. You know? Oh, he's gone the and dirty bit. Through to dinner. Well, as long as you're doing plenty of exercise, you know, physical work to work that off during the day. And then what will you throw down the gob tonight? What What's on the menu for tonight? Do a nice bit of uh, rump with a Maccas. couple of fried eggs and even duck over the road for some Macca's chips and put them on the plate? What goes? <laughs> um, I don't know what's for dinner tonight. Uh, I've got to talk about it with my wife. Whoever's home first starts dinner. All right, Johnny. Well, uh, in the future, may it well be a Bataki ham. Thanks for calling in. We'll flick you the Bataki just because we're not talking food enough. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham, so that'll sort you out. We need to find out where the best sausage rolls are too. I love a sausage roll. Yeah, well, I'm not a sausage roll fan, but pe- every people day over the, Every day over the pie. I don't care how good the pie is. If there's oh, a good sausage no. roll there, I'm going the snagger roll, a good one. But see, that's a bit of your sort of meatloaf half-cousin that you wanted on the menus at mm. pubs is the meatloaf. You bought the meatloaf up earlier this morning. I know, but if there's You're a nice... You're sort of thinking that's meatloaf in the, in the pastry. If there's a delicate pastry, that makes all the difference. The I'm telling pastry. you now, and a good relish or a good sauce. Laura's in Mill Park. How are you, Laura? Hi, good, thanks. Um, for the sausage roll, just quickly, have to go to Sovereign Hill Bakery, best oh. ever. Um, oh, really, really good. It. I'd drive all the way there for it. Writing it down. Um, why? I just want to know, like, I don't like cricket, but I love watching Big Bash. And it's, I think they need to change it or do something because we want to see more of the Aussie test players. Like, it's a bit disappointing that we haven't been able to get to a game yet as a family because um, school's still on. But by the time we do, we won't see some of the better players. Mm. Not knocking the guys who do play in their place. Always enjoyed it. 
We love the Brisbane heat, but they don't get down here that often. And um, so, yeah, so it's just, I, I don't know, they need to be something. Yeah, Laura, it's just how the program works out. I, and everyone would like to see more of the test players playing Big Bash or, or the Australian Big Bash players playing Big Bash. But it, just the way the calendar is and, and the how it works from an international perspective, all these countries have got to play the other country within a certain period of time if they've travelled there and then they have to travel back and all the rules and regulations that are there. I think we'll find in years to come that you know they'll divide Test cricket into four or five nations. There'll be no more playing the West Indies in Test match cricket. Well, you're killing them off. There'll be no more playing Bangladesh in Test match cricket. Well, that's not good. Uh, the, that's uh, not unless good they the earn their right to be in the top tier, oh. and then you'll see India, England, Australia, New Zealand, possibly Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, playing test matches amongst each other and then the others have to earn the right and someone has to drop out for them to come in. I, I reckon that could be the model that we see in, in future, but that will open the door for more one-day cricket and, and T20 cricket. Someone will fill the program where there's a void. Hey, Laura, thanks for the call. Heard you say you had a family. So uh, hang along if you're willing and we'll give you the Albert Park Mini Golf Family Pass for the school holidays, something for you and the, hey, and the kids to do. And watch the cricket. Stay overnight yes. to go and play some mini golf. At Albert Park. Magnificent. Yeah, are you? There's the family pass sorted out. A, uh, a great date for the holidays. We'll take your calls throughout the rest of the show on the IMR open line. Back very soon. Scotty, I know you're in Keelor Downs. We'll get to you straight after this. You are an ideas man. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Oh, so much to get to, so little time. So we're going to talk some cricket because Scotty, Justin and Steve want to do that. We'll do it for Halal Home Loans is your money. Halal, get Halal Home Loans Investments and superannuation with Hejaz Financial Services. Let's get to Scotty and Keelor Dance. How are you, Scotland? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you going? We're well. That's good. Now, um, with the big bash that happened the other night at Geelong, they... Um, no, they had to abandon the game. Mm. You think it will hurt, will hurt Geelong in the future with yes. that sort of um, incident? Scoob, yes. Yeah, I do, Scotty. I do. I think it will um, it'll hurt Geelong. Um, whether they get the game or how long they've got it contracted for, I'm not sure. But the, there'll be a better covers situation. There'll be a better drop-in pitch situation. There'll be a better... Um, uh, a better situation all around. There has to be. So, yeah, I, I think it will affect them. Justin's in. Thanks, Scotty. Justin's in Heidelberg. Test cricket, Justin. What's on your mind there? G'day, gentlemen. Um, yeah, I'm just as an avid Test match uh, preferred listener and watcher. I'm just hoping that we get a decent series. And mm. I know the Indies will probably battle, but um, I hope they can bring something. Um, and therefore, the Packies. I hope they're there, up and about, because um, you know every year we all love it. We all go. I'm booked in with the old batch of mates on the second day of the Boxing Test and. We just want to make sure we get some good value out of it. And I want a few of our blokes just to get tested, you know, the Dave yeah. Warners and the Cameron Greens and so forth. Yeah, and, and hopefully Pakistan bring that, Justin. We think they're more likely to as opposed to, to the windy scoop, don't we? But, yeah, uh, I think so. I, I think case. Pakistan get off on the right foot, Justin. Uh, we, we're going to have an okay summer. Have, have it's they... a matter of them you know, keeping their, their confidence up. So you just don't want to see them get bounced around too much in Perth and and lose their confidence for Melbourne. But if you're going day two of Melbourne, it'll still be a great day. They've already got off on the wrong foot, though. Well, at least in the mind of their team manager, Mohamed Hafiz. 
really surprised and disappointed. Um, the arrangements in Canberra, the pitch we, we received for the practice, that was really the slowest pitch we, we can ever, ever play on, on as a visiting team in Australia. But uh, as a team, we are really happy the preparation we had. The most of the boxes are ticked and absolutely ready for the, for the exciting challenge coming ahead of us. So, Mohammed, they're suggesting relatively strongly that they were given a slow wicket in Canberra as a deliberate ploy to bring the speed and the pace and the bounce of uh, of Perth as a more of a shock. And you can see why he's upset because Pakistan have always looked after touring Australian sides in particular with their wicket preparation, with their, their hotels and their culinary choices. They've always gone out of their way, haven't they, Simon, to look after visiting Australian teams. Steve joins us from Hurstbridge. You there, Steve? <laughs> Morning, Sam and Simon. Hello, Stephen. Um, the flaw, or the biggest flaw in Big Bash is the fact that teams will get inter, inter, uh, international players, they'll get chess players in their squad, they'll go gangbusters for the first three quarters of the season when it comes to the finals. They're all going back to their home countries or they're playing test cricket or something to do with with um, the test team. Um, and then they've got a mediocre team in there and they're not going to be the best team in the end. Unfortunately, the one who wins it um, has probably got there through default as well because they're playing a team which has mm. lost all their stars. Um, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, good on you, Steve. Well, shortened season this year as well, the Big Bash. So it'll be interesting to see how that all manifests itself as well and where the interest can be maintained right up until the bell, whereas I think historically it's sort of faded, hasn't it, as it's gone on, Scoob? So you and Pakistan preparing wickets for Australia, you, you said that they've always looked after the touring teams yes. who have gone to Pakistan. Yeah, so you can see why Muhammad would be upset that that hasn't been reciprocated here. Let's take a break. Nine to nine. Now, that was a cricket update as well for Halal Home Loans. Investments and superannuation with Hejo's. I think we've seen Julian DeStoop in the house. He's going to join us next. Did you walk into some smoke haze during the break? Or hey, I dangled the bait for you. You didn't take it, so it's too late now. Off to a break. <laughs>